Hello, brother. I'm Grace. Hello, brother. I'm Stephanie. And this is Doppelgangers. Today, we're talking about season three, episode seven of The Vampire Diaries, which is called Ghost World. And I have to tell you all the audience, this is one of my favorite episodes of the entire series. So I was very excited to get to this one. I got to see a lot of my favorite gals again. Got to see some drama unfold. Very, very exciting episode. Got some tears in there. A little bit of everything. Yeah. There's something for everyone in this episode, except not a lot of Delena. Not a lot of Delena. But we got a lot of Delena last episode. We've been getting a lot of Delena in general. We need a breather. So as always, I'll start by reading the synopsis from Vampire Diaries Wiki. As Mystic Falls prepares to celebrate the traditional illumination night, the town is invaded by spirits of the dead. After a particularly violent encounter with an angry spirit, Damon asks Bonnie to find the reason behind the ghost's surprising power. Elena convinces Jeremy to use his connection to the other side to help her find a new way to reach Stefan, leading Jeremy to a terrible choice. Finally, Alaric discovers a long hidden clue to the past. That's a pretty short synopsis for what is a jam-packed episode, but hey. So we open the episode at the Salvatore house pretty soon after the events of the end of last episode, except... Now, Damon is waking up, he's coming to, and he's chained to a chair, similar to what our dear friend Mason Lockwood experienced in this very house. Yeah, we get the recap, you know, before the episode starts that does show Mason chained to maybe this very chair. So it does become obvious really quick that Mason is doing exactly what Damon did to him, which is fair. And it's not lost on Damon. He pretty quickly makes the connection after Stefan is debunked because he goes right to Bonnie. He says, you got to be kidding me. And Mason is watching in the corner and he says, hurts, doesn't it? But we can tell that Damon can't hear or see Mason based on the fact that he doesn't respond to Mason standing nearby talking to him. Yeah, also because if he saw Mason, you know, he'd have something quippy to say. Yeah. And then Damon can't help but notice that his daylight ring is on the floor. And he says, oh, low blow, Stefan. And Stefan walks in simply delighted to see this. Yeah, he's like, this is fun. This is a cute little thing to see when I get home. What a treat. Yeah, Stefan's like, hey, what happened to you? And Damon says, you know, whatever Twisted Ripper game this is, like, just leave me out of it. And Stefan's like, oh, I didn't do this. But it's pretty messed up, isn't it? Yeah, Stefan's like, oh, no, this one wasn't me. But I'm loving the work. And Stefan pulls one of the swords out. I think it's actually a hot poker because that's what... Damon stabbed Mason with, so he pulls the hot poker out. He like partly unchains him, but then leaves. And Damon's like, okay, I guess I'll just untangle myself. But Mason still has one more trick up his sleeve and he throws open the curtain to let some daylight in and burn him. It's an easy thing to do these days. We're seeing that used as a way of torture pretty frequently lately and it's effective. Mm -hmm. If it works, it works. You gotta love that Mason really truly isn't here for revenge, but he does take a little minute to be a little petty and I respect that. You got to get back at him a little bit. He's not trying to kill Damon or really ruin his life, but he does want him to suffer a little bit and be like, hey, remember when you did this to me? That was like a little messed up. Maybe reevaluate your approach here. Yeah, I think that's more than fair. So then we go out to the town square where the festivities for Illumination Night are beginning, starting with whatever volunteers hanging lanterns. Carol, as the mayor, is, of course, giving a speech. She's also, fun fact, a longtime historical society member. So she's super excited to be kicking this off. She thanks the volunteers and she explains to us quickly what Illumination Day is. She says, tonight we turn off the lights and light lanterns in honor of the night of illumination started by our founders 150 years ago. Okay, sure. Okay, (laughs) fine. (laughs) Like she said a lot of words and they all make sense together. 
but I can't for the life of me figure out why they're significant. This council finds any excuse to have some kind of event. I hate to say it. This was probably like, what, 2010, 2011? Yeah, 2011, 2012, probably at this point. When did Tangled come out? You guys couldn't do floating lanterns? Well, Tangled's animated. I think it's easier from like a production perspective. Yeah. To have the lanterns be stationary. Yeah, I agree with that. But I just thought that was a missed opportunity. And maybe, you know, I bet in future Illumination Nights, they would take that under advisement. You think we're going to see Illumination Night again? I don't (laughs) believe so. It happens every year. Supposedly. They said, well, we got to do an event downtown and it can't be Founders Day for some reason. They had to make some event and they said, what if we had a bunch of lanterns and turned off other lights? Sure. It's like a blackout. It adds some excitement, some pressure. And it is kind of better that they keep it super vague. Like they could easily have gotten into the trap of trying to make this holiday something crazy. They said, uh, it's lighting lanterns for the night of illumination. And it's like, okay, fine. It's a small town with a council of founding families. Of course, they have a million fucking events like this. Exactly. It's more about throwing the event than what the event means, you know, but it's just goofy. And I do think it would have been a much prettier event with floating lanterns. But that's me coming from an event planning perspective, not a writer of a vampire show perspective. Carol welcomes Tobias Fell to give a history lesson, presumably which will explain more of Illumination Day, but as watchers of the Vampire Diaries, we don't particularly care, and they know that, so they cut over to Jeremy and Rick. Jeremy asks why they're here, and Rick says Tobias Fell is the head of the history department, so he didn't really have a choice. Tobias Fell, we can assume by the last name Fell, is a founding family member. We know he's the head of the history department. They seem to have no shortage of founding family members, and yet they are all just second string. This is something I said to you early in the show. Whenever they need a founding family member who is kind of low stakes like this, it's always a fell because like if it's a Forbes, it's like, oh, is that Caroline's brother? Or if it's like a Gilbert, you know, there's no other founding family that we can use. It's like, oh, it can't be a Salvatore. Yeah. Whose name we recognize who we would not immediately have to ask questions about. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, his name's Tobias Fell. Yeah, it's another fell. Whatever, dude. They have a big family. The Fell family is dropping like flies, though. Yeah. Jeremy says, well, that answers why you're here. Why am I here? And Alaric says, like, I'll fail you in history if if you don't come. And Jeremy says, fair enough. (laughs) Jeremy says, ethically, I'm not sure if you can do that. Elena approaches the boys and she says, hey, what did I miss? And then we see that Anna's hanging out with Jeremy and she says, oh, just a bunch of historical lies. They probably are. And Jeremy (laughs) says to Elena, you didn't miss anything. Tobias Fell continues talking. He's talking about how Mystic Falls like really was very prosperous after the war. And Anna says, yeah, after the founders stole from the vampires. Jeremy can't help but to laugh, which Elena clocks because she's like, what's so funny about post-war prosperity? Yeah, she's like, why is that funny? Is the Civil War funny to you? (laughs) And Tobias continues. He says lights were used to indicate it was safe for neighbors to come outside again. So obviously it was like, The lights meant like, oh, there's no vampires here. Like, it's obviously about vampires, not the war. I'll I'll say this, y'all. Maybe if you had lights on, you wouldn't have been snuck up on by vampires so easily. Yeah. Just me. Just me personally thinking about, you know, how vampires operate. I know they're fast, but at least you can see someone in the woods. (laughs) The other answer is don't be in the woods at night and just be in your house and don't invite anyone in. Yeah, that seems easier to me. That's what I would do if I was living in Mystic Falls at its founding, but I wasn't. I can't imagine that the founding families 
have ever been smart if this is the situation we're in now. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Anna says like, oh, safe from the vampires. And she says vampires like in a fake spooky way, which makes Jeremy laugh. And then he and Anna hold hands, which is cute, very sweet. But you have to imagine that to anyone outside, Jeremy just looks like he's making like half a fist. Yeah, and his arm is like a little bit weirdly far from his side. Like it just kind of looks like he's sticking his arm out. So it's just a little weird. I mean, no one's clocking Jeremy doing this because clearly they're all just so enthralled by Tobias Fell speaking. Yeah, the wonders of Illumination Night. Meanwhile, Caroline and Bonnie are hanging lanterns and Caroline says, oh, did the spell that sent Vicky away also get rid of Anna? Bonnie says, I wish. All it did was block the magic that was helping Vicky get a physical foothold, but Jeremy still has a direct line to the other side and as long as he and Anna want to see each other, she's still here. And Caroline says, you don't think I can actually resist commenting on that? (laughs) And Bonnie's like, well, there was your comment. Happy. (laughs) And then Bonnie says, like, what do you want me to say? I went against the balance of nature bringing Jeremy back and now I'm paying the consequences. Caroline says, well, I want you to say that you're not okay with it. Like, you don't have to just sit here and accept it just because it's the way it is. Bonnie's kind of like, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, Jeremy has to figure this out. But Caroline's like, also, you could like check in on him and like pay attention to this and worry about it more. She feels like it's she's just letting it happen, which I don't really think is true. But yeah, Bonnie says she's a thousand times not okay with it, but she doesn't really know what to do about it because, yeah, she can't make Jeremy not talk to Anna without like she feels like she has to beg him to not talk to his dead ex-girlfriend. I would be mad too. And she also feels bad. She's like, you know, obviously it sucks that his girlfriend died. Like, so I don't want to make it so he can't grieve her in that way, but I also don't want him hanging out with her. Yeah, he should be grieving in a normal way. Yeah. The way Matt did, but we'll get to that. And the only reason he can grieve in this way is because of Bonnie. It's because Bonnie brought him back to life. So that's weird too. And then Damon pulls up in his Mustang, and he says greetings to Blondie and Witchy. Nicknames need a little work, but good first draft. Not the most creative. Um, Matt looks on because now he's like kind of wanting to be involved, but not really. He just like wants to be like a sourpuss about everything. Damon says, hey, I think you got your wires crossed when you got rid of Vicky Donovan. And she says, why? And he says, because I'm pretty sure I just got spit roasted by Mason Lockwood's ghost. He's put the pieces together that he was in a position that he put Mason Lockwood in. It's not a fur leap for him to make that Mason Lockwood's ghost is doing it to him. He knows ghosts are around. Yeah, he knows ghosts are around. He knows that the most recent person that he has stabbed with a hot fire poker was Mason Lockwood. So he's done the math. Yeah, Caroline asks, why would you think that? And he says, maybe because he chained me to a chair and shoved a hot poker in my chest. Let's just say I'm having deja vu. And Caroline says to Bonnie, she's like, I thought you said that ghosts couldn't touch people. And Bonnie says, I really didn't think they could. Bonnie's like, to the best of my knowledge, they couldn't. Apparently I was misinformed. And so Damon quickly realizes that they are just as confused as he is. So he says, look, I don't have time for a vengeful Lockwood. When I kill someone, they're supposed to stay dead. He's like, why do you think I kill them? It's because I don't want to see them anymore. And he says, just fix it. And then he speeds off. And Matt is still watching, so you know Matt's going to go talk to them in a second. Uh, But before that, Elena and Jeremy and Alaric are at the grill. And she tells Jeremy, like, you know, I've been going through Stefan's old journals, and I noticed that every time he was off the rails, Lexi brought him back. And Rick said, what a perfect circumstance that we know someone who's able to do that. Now, where is Lexi now? And they say, well, okay, she is dead. Because if you'll remember, Alaric's first episode was the episode after Lexi died. He just missed her. I did not remember that. 
What a shame. Episode wise, because she died season one, episode eight. His first episode was season one, episode nine. I did not recall that. I knew when Lexi died because hello. I didn't remember the first day Alert was there. Yeah. When God closes a door, he opens a window, you know, <laughs> an underwhelming window in comparison. <laughs> I like Alert. I like Alert, but comparing to Lexi, no one's winning that. They're two different characters. It's apples and oranges. Yeah. Jeremy says, so you want me to reach out to her because she's dead? And Rick's like, okay, that makes sense why she's asking Jeremy to do this. Um, Elena says, look, if I could figure out how she brought Stefan back, maybe I could help him. And Jeremy says he doesn't even know if Lexi's on the other side. And Elena's like, what the fuck is the other side? So quick review, he says, that's what Anna calls it. There's no official brochure. Rick says, oh, so it's like supernatural purgatory. And Jeremy says, kind of. Anna said it's like being here on Earth, but no one can see or hear her and she can't interact and she's all alone. Naturally, Anna is sitting at the table hearing this description. Yeah, like, because yeah, you tell him. Yeah, because there's a whole nother chair there, which Elena and Alec don't seem to be doing the math on that perhaps Anna's sitting there. I wonder if Jeremy got to the grill first and he said table for four. Yeah. He said, oh, so you've got three other people joining you? And he says... Yeah, two or three. One person may or may not make it, but we should definitely get a table for four. Then they sat down and Lark's like, we don't need four seats. And he was like, oh, it's all they had. It's like, oh, you don't need to add a water to that fourth seat, like until the person maybe shows up. But but I do want the chair just in case. My sister really likes putting her purse on a chair. Yeah. Alaric says, well, Vicky could interact with this world. Remember, she blew up my car. He's not over it, and I don't blame him. Alex, like, I feel like we all moved past the fact that my car got fucking blown up last week. And, like, I get other things have been happening, but, like, that was my car. <laughs> to be fair, though, he doesn't pay rent. Well, he puts all that rent money right into the grill, so. That's true. <laughs> Jeremy says, well, Vicky had help from a witch on the other side, but Anna's all alone. Alex says, hey, maybe we learned our lesson about summoning dead people. Seems like a fairy. And Jeremy says, no, I don't think I did. Jeremy's like, actually, I'm going to need it to be really hitting me over the head. Yeah. Personally, I'm going to need it right up in my face. I'm going to need a lot more hints. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Bonnie and Matt are catching up. Matt swears he hasn't seen Vicky. And Bonnie says, like, are you sure? Because Vicky has just as much a reason to haunt Damon as Mason Lockwood. And Matt says, she's gone. If she was here, I would know it. And Caroline's like, why do you even think it's Vicky? And Bonnie doesn't particularly think it's Vicky. But if it's anyone but Vicky that has a physical foothold, that means something is really wrong. Yeah, that means a lot more doors are open than they thought. And it's fair for her to check in with Matt on this, because to be fair, he did lie about talking to Vicky for a couple days there. Yeah. And Matt says, look, I've had enough of this ghost stuff to last forever. So you guys can leave me out of this one. OK, Matt. Then stop eavesdropping. Well, no, but if you want to be left out of the ghost stuff, I have a really easy solution. Don't drown yourself in the pool. You did this. You chose this. You wanted to see ghosts. It's a little convenient for you to not do anything right now. He's like, oh, this isn't about me anymore. And my sister's not here. So don't ask me anything. He made Bonnie bring him back to life. And then he said, mm, I'm not really interested in this. He said, actually, I don't want to help you guys at all. She's like, that was traumatic for me. I thought you were going to die. Like, Matt, you weren't helping us before. Now you suddenly have one way you could maybe help us and you refuse to do it. It's like you're not a founding family, so I know you're not that busy with Illumination Night. Yeah, you're not even volunteering. You're just standing here. Just Hang up, up one lantern if you're not going to help us with this. But no, he won't do that. And Matt walks away and Caroline says, oh, I feel so sad for him. It took a lot for him to send his sister away. And Bonnie says, yeah. Bonnie says, don't you think I 
know that. And Caroline says, so much strength as a man. And Bonnie says, okay, save the Jeremy lecture for later. Caroline does not give anyone an inch of leeway. I think Caroline's right to not give Jeremy leeway, especially now. I think she's right to not give Jeremy leeway and to not let Bonnie just ignore it either. She's totally in the right in this. But it is funny. It is funny how she does that, though. She's always bringing stuff up for other people because she knows she needs to give tough love. So Bonnie tries to grab her bag to go, but the bag's open and her grimoire falls out and flies open. So they can't help but notice that, you know, they're being directed to a spell. Mm -hmm. Bonnie picks it up and she notices the spell is a manifestation spell, which is used to reveal veiled matter, a.k.a. ghosts. And I was like, okay, well, Bonnie, let's do a smidge of thinking here. Don't you think that'll make it easier for ghosts to come see y'all? I don't think so. They already have a physical foothold. All this does is make them visible to them. I guess that's true. The ghosts have more of an advantage if people can't see them coming. That is true. That is very true. It just seemed like at first it seemed like she thought that this spell would like get rid of the ghosts. No, I don't think she did. She knew it was used to basically reveal veiled matter. She meant like basically like lift the veil so you can see things that are hidden. So I think she knew that it wasn't going to get rid of the ghosts, but that it would just like at least clarify some ideas, maybe. Exactly. Maybe she didn't think she'd physically be seeing all these ghosts, but she thought it would kind of clear up the the process or something. But I do think the concern that you raised is correct that like, don't you want to do some thinking on who exactly opened that grimoire? Because it had to be a ghost. Yeah. And luckily it appears it's now Grams. Yeah, the way it goes, I think it's pretty clear it was Grams who led them to it. But at first I was like, Okay, any of these people could have opened this grimoire, especially we know a witch is able to communicate with someone on the other side. It's not crazy that that witch would have been communicating with someone else and been like, hey, go get that uh, that grimoire to this page and then we'll be good. That could have very realistically happened. Exactly. So then we go over to the grill. Elena and Jeremy are a little bit behind the current realizations over on the other side of the town square. Um, Elena asks Jeremy if it's even possible to contact Lexi. And he says, I don't know. I didn't even know her. So I have no idea. Well, yeah, because what we know is like Jeremy would need to be thinking of them and they would need to be thinking of Jeremy. And why would Lexi be thinking of Jeremy? Exactly. (laughs) And Alaric is like, you know what? Let's just drop it. Elena's like, I don't know what else to do. Alaric says, don't you think we have a few too many dead vampires in our past to be sitting here thinking of them watching us? And then Anna chimes in, only for Jeremy to hear. She says, I don't think all supernatural spirits go to the other side. I think some find peace. What do you make of this? Do you think some find peace? Do you think everyone makes it to the other side? Where do you think they go if you don't think they make it all to the other side? I think there is some other version of afterlife because all the ones we see in this episode seem to have some sort of unfinished business on Earth. Whether that unfinished business is also coming or exacerbated by the loneliness they feel on the other side. But everyone has somewhat of a mission today. So I think people on the other side have a mission before they can find peace, which is in another afterlife type realm. Gotcha. Elena notices that Jeremy was looking at the empty chair and being silent because he was actively listening. And she says, hey, is Anna here right now? And Anna says, don't tell Elena. She won't like it. And so Jeremy says, oh, no, but I am going to go check my work schedule. So he gets up and leaves and then Stefan approaches and he says, hey, who forgot to invite me to the family summit? Stefan, this isn't your family. <laughs> you don't even live in our house. 
And then he picks up his old diary, which Elena has out on the table. And he says, ah, all these words. Forgot how much I used to care. And Elena says, I didn't. Mic drop. And he's like, okay, well, I was being really funny. And now you're just making it a little less fun for me. Yeah. And so then Stefan makes it less fun for her. He says, you know, it's probably best for you to not torture yourself with memories of the past. We should both just move on and accept things as they are now. And Alaric says, hey, you don't have to be here, Stefan. <laughs> and Stefan says, you know what? You're right. I don't. But Elena is here and I look out for her. Plus, there's going to be people everywhere tonight. So tons to eat. And then he says, just kidding. Loosen up. And he heads out. He's like, hee hee hee. He's having a good time. And then after that little interaction, Elena turns back to Alaric and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to drop this. Yeah. She said, yeah, I think I need Lexi. And then we go over to the witch house where Bonnie has brought Caroline. Caroline's never been here before. And Bonnie says, I'm sorry, it's creepy, but we just like needed a private place for the spell. And Caroline says, there's no chance it's haunted by all the witches who were burned to death here, right? Fair question, as ghosts seem to be the monster of the day. Yeah, we're in a we're in a ghost era. So I think Caroline's thinking straight like, hey, they could be mad at me for some reason. I don't know. She knows for sure they're mad at Bonnie. Yeah, exactly. And Bonnie says, well, they're not here anymore. They made it clear they're not coming back. So then we go back to the grill. Anna follows Jeremy inside. He takes her into the bathroom and, you know, checks that it's all private. And he says, hey, why did you tell me to lie? And she says, well, Elena is Bonnie's best friend and she won't like whatever it is we have going on. And he says, "Okay, what is that? How can we touch? Vicky needed magic for that. And Anna truly has no idea. Yeah, Anna's like, I don't know, but. I'm happy we can. And Jeremy asks the question that he should be asking. This is a totally fair question. He says, is the witch that helped Vicky now helping you? That is a fair question. Yeah. Knowing what he knows, fair assumption. But she swears she's all alone. She's no danger to anyone. She holds his hand. She's just like, I need you to believe me. And he says, this is really not okay. Us talking. And she says, okay then send me away. I'm only here because you want me here as much as I want to be here. It's easy to get rid of me. Yeah, Anna's like, I don't know how many times I have to explain this to you. You clearly want me here. And I'm happy to be here if you want me here. He needs to own up to it. I'm, I hate to tell you this. I don't like Jeremy. I know you're a Jeremy apologist. Yeah, and I'm very much a Jeremy apologist in this episode. Overall, I'm sure that'll come out. Yeah, exactly. I think it'll come up. And I just, I feel like we've, you know, watched enough of this show now. I can tell you. I don't like Jeremy. <laughs> That's crazy to me. Is it? He's <laughs> one of your favorites. Yeah, he's up there. That's crazy to me. Honestly, to, for me, Jeremy is just above Matt Donovan. That is crazy to me. <laughs> Do I like anyone that you don't like? Who do you not like? I like everyone in their own way. I guess I like Alaric more than you do. You do like Alaric more than I do. I was going to say that, but I like Alaric, so it's fine. But I'm generally like Alaric being pissed at Damon killing him. I'm like, oh my God, get over it. Oh yeah, I'm on I'm on Alaric's side for that one. But you know who you like more than me? Who? Who I don't particularly like? Elijah. <laughs> I don't care for Elijah and you like him. I love Elijah. I have no interest in him. That's one example of someone that I just don't care for at all. Yeah, I think that's probably how I feel about Jeremy. It's like, I don't have anything against him most times. Like if Elijah, I feel like Elijah's going to come back. If he stayed dead, I would not care. No skin off my back. I think Jeremy and Elijah is the right um, equivalent. I hate to say it. Jeremy's ranked above Bonnie for me. 
that's misogynist. <laughs> that's hateful. That is the patriarchy at work. Perhaps. And that explains why you're a Jeremy apologist in this episode. And yeah. for me, I rank Bonnie above Jeremy. So that explains why I'm on Bonnie's side. I think Bonnie and Jeremy are closer. I- I'm less of a Jeremy apologist and more of a Jana shipper. Sure. Above anything. Oh, I don't want Bonnie to be with Jeremy. Yeah. But the thing that bugs me about this particular conflict is like Bonnie gave Jeremy a pretty long leash with Vicky and Anna. Mm-hmm. She was pretty accepting of him talking to them at first, even though she's the one who gave him that power. And he's just been disrespecting her respect at every turn, taking advantage of her, I think. I think yes, but I just think it's such a weird thing of I don't think Jeremy thought he was like, trying to be with either of them, but he never really dealt with those relationships in the way he needed to. And I think Bonnie was right to give him a long leash and try to trust him. But I do think it's like, and she couldn't have known his relationships with Anna and Vicky anyway, because they weren't necessarily like close when he was with either of them. But I think from an audience member seeing his relationship with Anna over his relationship with Bonnie, I just think that, Like, I didn't see it going another way. Like, I didn't see him being able to, like, not talk to Anna. Sure. I guess my problem is because I don't like Jeremy. I'm like, none of you girls should be interested in him. Anna, go find someone else. I don't know why Bonnie's particularly interested in him. I don't really get them as a couple. I never have. And I think that's part of it. I've always liked him and Anna. I've said this from the beginning. I get him and Anna. I just think the thing that bugs me about Jeremy with this is... He was purposely dishonest to Bonnie. All she asked was that, like, he be honest with her and he couldn't do that. And the thing is, like, yes, he had unresolved issues. And I get it's a complicated situation, but he knew he was lying to Bonnie. And he didn't know why he was lying to Bonnie. Yeah. And I can't blame him for it. But at the end of the day, I side with Elena later in the episode. I won't get there when we get there that it's a fucking ghost, dude. She's dead. <laughs> yeah, it is a ghost. But I feel like it's just I don't think it's cool what he's doing to Bonnie. He's definitely lying to her. But I don't think he really I don't think he was being honest with himself either. And I don't think he knew how to bring this up to Bonnie without being able to admit to himself like because I think he knew he's like, well, I can't be with Anna because she's a ghost. So it's kind of irrelevant, even though he was very much treating her more like a girlfriend. Well, and he knows if he brings it up to Bonnie, Bonnie's going to be like, okay, so obviously you want to date the ghost girl, which he doesn't want to confront, which doesn't exclude him of guilt. Because I think he knows, he knows he can't be with Anna. He knows that's not realistic. But he knows that if he were given the choice, he would be picking Anna. And he doesn't want to have to own up to that. And he doesn't want to have to own up to the fact that he would literally rather date a ghost. Because he knows realistically this ghost is going to disappear as ghosts do. And he would like to still have a girlfriend after that. It's very have your cake and eat it too. Which Anna should not be accepting. But I can't blame it. She's been alone psychologically she's at a much different place yeah Anna has always had this struggle too of like she wants to you know be with people but she also knows when she's holding them back but doesn't want to admit that until someone else tells it to her this happened early on with Jeremy too you know Anna's also generally a lone wolf yeah so the real thing that attracted her to Jeremy was that she wanted to hang out with him (laughs) she said cool she said this doesn't happen to me that often anyway so Jeremy listens to Anna's like, please. He finally starts to be honest with himself. He says, look, 
I don't know why this is happening or when it'll stop, but before it's over, I have to do this. And kisses her. He has to. No, he doesn't. I just think if he wants to kiss Anna, he needs to be a lot more honest with Bonnie or just break up with Bonnie. I think he like ideally should have broken up with Bonnie, but I don't think he was thinking this far ahead. Honestly, I didn't think he anticipated being in this situation. And what is he going to do? Be like, hold on right here. Uh, Beep, 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 beep. Hey, Bonnie, we're breaking up. Bye. It's better than this. I And I also think, and this is not completely his fault that she found out before he was able to tell her and we'll get there. But also it is kind of his fault because he really just dilly dallied after he did it. He didn't like rush to go tell her. Oh, I think he should have went and told her. But I also think he knew that the second he told anyone, oh, I kissed Anna, they'd be like, but she's a ghost. Yeah, you know, she's a ghost, right? You're dating hot ass Bonnie, powerful witch queen. And you're kissing a ghost because to him, he can talk himself out of it being a ghost because she's right there because he can see her. He can touch her. He can see her. All that. Everyone else is like, no one's fucking there, dude. You're kissing air. I think he's scared to bring it up and change it. That doesn't make it okay to Bonnie, obviously. But I don't hate him for this. I guess I don't hate him specifically for this. I just hate him for the person he is. I can't believe you hate Jeremy and you've kept it a secret this whole time. I mean, I wouldn't say I hate Jeremy. Like, I don't hate him the way I hate Matt Donovan. Yeah. But I definitely, like, if Damon had killed him for good in season two, episode one, I wouldn't have been heartbroken. No wonder you weren't mad at the sheriff that she shot him. Yeah. Does that not crystallize? I was wondering. I was like, why is she so surprised I'm mad? Of course I'm mad. Like, who cares if Jeremy dies? It is funny because usually I draw a pretty hard line on cheating in most cases. For some reason, when Jeremy does it, it's okay with me. And I tend to draw a pretty soft line on cheating. It's funny that we took the opposite path. Isn't that funny? Isn't that goofy? So then we go over to the witch house. Caroline is lighting some candles. She offers her help, but Bonnie's already started the spell. So Caroline's like, oh, okay. She's like, do you need anything? And Bonnie's chanting. And Caroline's like, okay, well, fuck me then. And Bonnie's like, Fesmatos. <laughs> so there's wind, candles light up, whatever, whatever, you know, it's the beginning of a spell. So then things really start picking up here. We go back and forth between the grill, the witch house, and outside at the grill. Elena and Rick come inside. They split up. Rick says he's going to grab Jeremy and Elena's going to go to the bathroom. But instead, Damon approaches Rick and Rick says, I have had enough of vampires for today. And Damon's like, well, I want to drink because we've got trouble. And Rick says, no, you've got trouble. We are not a team. You tried to kill me. We're not friends. I don't like you anymore. And Damon says, yeah, well, remember when you liked me and we conspired to kill Mason Lockwood? Rick says, yeah. (laughs) Alex, like that was mostly you, to be fair. And then Damon says, well, he is still pissed. And then at the witch house, the spell continues. Caroline's like, I don't like this. There's a lot of wind. And then all of a sudden it stops. Bonnie's holding someone's hands and it's her grandma. That was nice. She needed to see her. Yeah. And then we go back to the grill where Jeremy is kissing Anna. We have to assume in the women's restroom because Elena walks in and sees them. Yeah. Why not go to the men's restroom? She's the ghost, buddy. (laughs) I know. I don't understand. Or alternatively, Elena went to the bathroom and like is looking in the men's bathroom for Jeremy, perhaps. Anyway, but 
Elena walks in and she says, Anna and Anna and Jeremy are both like, oh, I'm so, how can you see that? You know, less embarrassing than walking in on you kissing the air, Jeremy. So let's all, let's all check in on that. But more incriminating. (laughs) Yes, certainly. And then outside, Stefan is walking to his car and he sees a reflection of Lexi and she's behind him. And what good timing. And then we go back to the grill at the bar and Mason approaches Damon and Rick and he says, ah, I missed whiskey. He drinks his glass of whiskey that was originally Damon's glass of whiskey. And then he breaks the glass on Damon's forehead. Again, fair reaction. Yeah, fair enough. It would be rough if you're watching like people hang out at the bar and you're like, oh, I would love a drink here by myself in this purgatory (laughs) realm. Yeah. Much like if I was watching someone eat French fries. Yeah. When I'm a ghost, I'm going to be like, oh, God, that person got Taco Bell today. Damn. (laughs) I wish that were me. I'm just working the kitchen at McDonald's. And every time someone orders like a hot and spicy McChicken and I really want it, I get mad and I throw it on the ground. I'm like, if I can't have it, you can't have it either. (laughs) And they're like, stop dropping it. And the poor teenager is like, I'm not dropping this. I don't know what's happening. I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think there's a ghost here. And then they'll get fired. Yeah, sorry. So then we go outside the grill. Stefan reminds Lexi that she's dead. And she reminds him that technically so is he. Yeah, she's like, what? Do you think I forgot I was killed? Shut up. And he says, how can I see you? And she says, I don't know. And I don't know how long it'll last. So let's get to the point. You're big time off the rails, King. Yeah, she's like, I've seen this before. I think I've seen this film before. And I didn't like the ending. Stefan says, look, I don't know how you're here, but leave me alone. And she says, well, what kind of friend would I be if I didn't help you out of this mess? And he says, you know, I just don't really want your help. She says, you know, you say that every time. Yeah, she's like, that doesn't matter right now, King. And he says, okay, well, this time you can listen. And she says, oh, or I could do this. And she bonks his head on a car and breaks the window. And you have to wonder, whose car is it? My theory is Rick's rental from the insurance company. (laughs) It's got to be. He's like, come on, man. So then we go back over to the witch house. Bonnie is crying because she's so excited to see her grandma. She really needs her grandma in a lot of her situations. She is in over her motherfucking head. Yeah, it's time for her to see her grandma, definitely. And let me tell you something. You know what Grams wouldn't do? She wouldn't have brought Jamie back to life. She would have said, no, ma'am, balance of nature. She would have peeled Bonnie out of that basement. That's why Grams fucking died, because she was like, no, I'm not getting Stefan out of a fucking tomb. Yeah. And then Bonnie started and Grams like, well, I'm not going to let you hurt yourself and then died. So Grams would have been like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) Grams says, you know, we don't have time for tears. Nice to see you, Caroline. And Caroline says, hi, Miss Sheila. And it's so cute. Yeah. Caroline's like, I'm so excited to see you, too. It's been so long. And then Grams turns back to Bonnie and says, what a fine mess you made. You knew there'd be consequences for bringing Jeremy back and you did it anyway. She's like, well, I didn't know what consequences. You have to imagine Grams was like watching from the other side while Bonnie was doing that. She's like, no, no, not that. No. It's like, Bonnie. She's like, God damn it. Bonnie's like, well, I didn't have a choice. I loved him. I couldn't let him go. Graham says, well, you cracked open a door to the other side. And there's an old witch who took advantage of it and took advantage of you. When you sent Vicky away, you wedged the door open and the witch, this old witch, basically 
used that wedge to bust it open. And now it's giving a free pass to anyone with unfinished business. And Grams knows this because witches talk even on the other side because they all make the rules. So I want to ask you a question. There's not an answer to this that I'm expecting. I'm just curious. Why do you think we didn't see the original witch if she's opened the door to anyone with unfinished business? Why is she not coming out today? She has no one to talk to in Mystic Falls. And I don't know if it's stuck to just Mystic Falls. I mean, we could assume this goes beyond Mystic Falls in theory, but we have to assume it's probably just here. Can you imagine if someone in like Portugal like wakes up and like someone they killed is there and they're like, oh man, and then they kill him. Yeah, they're like, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. But the original witch is seemingly able to use magic from the other side without having to be in person, really. Mm -hmm. So why bother coming in person? Sure. Bonnie asks what the witch wants. And in this scenario, I'm assuming that the witch they're referring to, because Graham says it's a very old witch, is the one and the same as the original witch. I'm assuming that too, as well. That's a fair jump to make, I think. Fair enough that I think I can say that. But Graham says what the original witch wants is original vampire business, not hers. And she doesn't want Bonnie getting in the middle of it. So what do you think the original witch wants that's original vampire business? I mean, we know that she just wants the hybrids to not happen. Yeah, I think she's mad Klaus broke the curse. I think that's mostly it. And you got to respect Graham's and Bonnie's life would be a whole lot simpler if she took this path. That Graham's like, that's not my fucking problem. Yeah, Graham's loves to say, not my circus, not my monkeys. And we'll remember at the beginning of season one, Graham's was like, don't get involved with vampires. They're always going to put you in the middle of it. Yeah. And what have they been doing? Putting her in the middle of it ever since. Lo and behold. And then Graham says that she's here because Bonnie upset the balance of nature. And because of that, it's her duty to set it right. And I thought she's going to tell Bonnie she has to kill Jeremy. <laughs> but Graham's instead says by closing the door. And you breathed a sigh of relief. And I said, oh, man. <laughs> Because I was like, after I just saw Jeremy kiss his dead ex-girlfriend, she might have killed him. (laughs) So then we go back over to the grill. Caroline has called Elena to fill her in. Uh, Elena asks how they closed the door. And Caroline says, well, the original witch can draw power from this side because of her talisman, a.k.a. the necklace that Stefan gave to Elena. So Bonnie needs to destroy that necklace. Elena says to Caroline, I just walked in on Jeremy kissing the reason I'm completely okay with it. And Jeremy is like, why are you snitching? And you got to give it to Elena, drama mama. She's stirring this pot. I have to agree with Elena for snitching. And yeah, I more respect Caroline for being like, that's not my business to tell Bonnie right now. Yeah. I mean, I think Elena is angry here and for good reason because it puts her in a very uncomfortable position because obviously Jeremy is her brother and she loves him and she defends him. But Bonnie's her best friend. And she knows that this has already been bothering Bonnie. So it's fair for her to snitch this. And this is like an angry reaction to something. But you got to give it to her in her angry reaction. She didn't tell Bonnie. Mm -hmm. Caroline is shook by this revelation. But Elena gets back to business. She says, look, I don't have the necklace, but Damon does. Just text him. Then Elena hangs up the phone and she turns to Anna and she says, you need to disappear or evaporate or whatever it is you ghosts do. And Anna says, okay. And she does. And Jeremy says, it's not Anna's fault. And is like, yeah, I know that. It's yours. <laughs> we stand a feminist queen who doesn't blame other women. Yeah. Elena asks how this happened. Jeremy says, it just did. Please don't tell Bonnie. This is when Jeremy should have gone and told Bonnie. I'll, yes. I'll agree with that because he knows at this point, like, no matter how I feel about Anna, this was clearly a mistake. And like, 
it will hurt Bonnie when she finds out. I better be the one to tell her. The circumstances of it was a mistake, whether or not kissing Anna was the right decision for him personally. Yeah. And you know, Elena knows, you know, Caroline knows. Time to get ahead of it. Not even get ahead of it in like a sneaky way, but you should be telling Bonnie this. It should be coming from you. Yeah. You have to imagine that it might slip out. To be fair, Elena kind of implies that he should tell her later. Elena says that she'll let him tell Bonnie after they all help send the ghosts away. So she does kind of give him the go ahead to wait. That it's like not his top priority today. Yeah. And I do think it is a busy day, but also he could have avoided this by being honest with her way more upfront. This wasn't like his only chance to be honest with Bonnie. Yeah. He could have been a little bit more open about that he was having feelings for Anna because he clearly was. And Bonnie knew that, but neither of them ever really said it because they didn't want to open that door, but it's already open. It should have gotten to a point that Jeremy would have been like, look, I obviously have unresolved issues with Vicky and Anna. It's not good for me to be in a relationship. Yeah, like I don't think that I'm in the place where I can be respectful to you in the way that I need to be. Mm -hmm. But he is like 15 or 16, so. (laughs) Exactly. He's not the most emotionally mature person in the world. And let's be honest, he's not the smartest. Yeah, he's pretty dumb. No shade to Jeremy for me personally, (laughs) but he is pretty dumb. Yeah, he's not our smartest uh, team member. Elena walks out to the grill and Lexi approaches her and she says, hey, Elena, it was a good day for you to be thinking of me. You're coming with me. And Elena's like, what? And she says, Ripper Detox 101 Crash Course. Yeah, because Lexi's like, look, I don't know how long I have. Clearly, this is your job now. Yeah. So let's go. So I gotta teach you the tried and true methods. Elena hesitates because she, of course, wants to help everyone with the ghosts. But Lexi says, weren't you desperate for my help to save Stefan? And Elena says, yeah, I kind of care more about Stefan than some dinky little ghost. Yeah, she's like, there's enough people working on the ghost thing. (laughs) Yeah, and she is right. There's plenty of them. Too many cooks. (laughs) So then we go back over to the boat. Damon is reading a text about the necklace. And he says, I'm never going to hear the end of that damn necklace. You won't. (laughs) Mason lifts another shot of whiskey and says, one of you will pay for this, right? Cheers. They better. (laughs) (laughs) and they will because come on well yeah where's he gonna get money rick has a long-standing tab at the grill yeah they're just adding it to his account yeah he says put it on my account damon says okay let's get to it i killed you you want revenge get in line and mason says actually i want an apology and now rick can't help but laugh (laughs) yeah because he's like okay Keep dreaming. Because Rick hasn't gotten an apology for Damon killing him yet, even. Rick says to Mason, yeah, good luck with that, about the apology. And Damon says, hey, don't you have a family to haunt? You know, your nephew was turned into a mindless hybrid minion. And Mason says, yeah, that's actually why I'm here, to help Tyler. And Damon says, yeah, well, Tyler can't be helped, not while Klaus is alive, which is, you know, always. And Mason's like, let me get to my point. (laughs) Mason says, y'all ready for this? Not if you found a weapon that could kill him. And Damon says, but there isn't. And then he realizes, okay, um, maybe Mason knows something I don't. It's the plus side of being on the other side. Exactly. You might hear some things. Rick's ears perk up. They both look and Damon says, what do you know? And Mason says, I know you need to apologize. Yeah, he's like, I need the apology first, buddy. I know if I do it after, I'm not getting it. And Damon naturally resists. And Rick says, are you incapable of remorse? Just apologize. Rick's like, please just apologize to him. I don't give a fuck. I don't care what is happening. I almost said, I don't give a care. I don't give a care. I don't give a darn. (laughs) Damon says, you're right. I didn't have to kill you. I do a lot of things I don't have to do. 
And then he stops talking. Decidedly not an apology. Yeah, not an apology. But Mason's like, well, I figure that's about as good as I'm going to get. Thank you. Yeah, Mason says, good enough. Meet me at the Lockwood Cellar. Bring a shovel. Come alone. And Damon says, are you going to bury me alive? And Mason says, don't tempt me. (laughs) So then we go down to the Forbes jail. Again, very lucky discovery, this Forbes jail. Lexi brings in Elena. Stefan's already pre-chained up. And Lexi says, oh, wow, Klaus really did a number on him. I'm obsessed with the drama it took for like Damon and Elena to even barely get Stefan, you know, away from Klaus. And Lexi in like 20 minutes got him all locked up. Yeah. Queen. (laughs) Her strength is incredible. I'm obsessed with her, obviously. Yeah. I love Lexi. Elena tells Lexi that Klaus compelled Stefan to turn off his humanity. So Lexi's like, well, we'll just have to convince him to turn it back on. BTW, it is not going to be pretty. Yeah, she's like, just so you know, this is going to hurt. Elena says, it's okay, I can handle it. We'll see if she can. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. (laughs) Lexi wakes him up a little condescendingly, Queen. And he says, what is this? Let me out. And she says, hey, calm down. I'm trying to get inside your head. This is a return of a power we haven't seen in a while, which is like the ability on vampires to kind of like influence other vampires' dreams. It's kind of an offshoot of that. So basically she goes on to make him hallucinate, but we'll get into the deeper mechanics of that. Essentially a mind control type. Yes, compulsion adjacent. And Stefan says, Elena, please get rid of her. And she's like, no. (laughs) Elena's like, why on earth would I do that? Like, I don't like you right now. (laughs) Yeah. And Lexi says, so the first step is drawing him out. Strive away the bloodlust, strip away the temptation. And Stefan says, yeah, uh, actually, it's not going to work. Lexi says, hey, did you hear the not pretty part? And Elena says, yeah. And then Lexi gets in his face. He starts like groaning and desiccating. Like we start to see gray little veins on some of his body. He asks what she's doing. And she says, what I do best. I'm saving your life. Now, he obviously hates it. Yeah, she's like, I'm fixing you again. So we go down to the Lockwood cellar. Mason is actually kind of surprised that Damon showed. But Damon says, well, I hit a snag in my only other Klaus lead. So I'm highly motivated. Yeah, Damon's like, I mean, I got to try something here. And Mason says, oh, Michael. Yeah, that didn't turn out so great, did it? Damon says, hey, how do you know so much? And Mason says, there's not a ton to do on the other side. So I just kind of sit around and watch other people screw things up. TV. It's like we were killed right before the pilot. Yeah. It's like we were the last vampire killed before Damon and Stefan returned to Mystic Falls. People (laughs) on the other side are effectively watching the vampire diaries. Now they can hop from different scenes. We kind of get our scenes chosen for us. But we're all watching the same show. We're all doing the same thing. Damon asks where they're going. Mason says, you know, there's a Lockwood family legend about a weapon that can kill an original vampire. If only Tyler weren't so stupid. He could be quite a useful ally. And if he weren't, you know, sired to Klaus right now. Well, yeah, Tyler figured out about the werewolf thing a little late, so he didn't get any of the actual family secrets because Mason didn't want him to become a a werewolf, didn't want to tell him, and then he died, and Carol doesn't know shit. So he's kind of out of luck here. (laughs) Yeah. Mason says, you know, the Lockwoods keep their secrets buried. So... He shows him a brick wall in the cellar and he starts hitting it with a shovel. And then Damon is like, okay, let me do it. And he hits it really fast, really clears out those bricks in like three hits. Yeah. And then they look into the hole and Mason says, go ahead. And Damon says, you first. (laughs) And Mason says, do you think I'm leading you into the trap? 
But of course that thought crossed Damon's mind. Well, and also like if you're going into an unknown cave, like makes sense to send the dead one first. Yeah, that's me. But Mason does, as a show of good faith, lead the way. So then we go back to the jail. Uh, Stefan's not doing so hot. He says, please let me out. Lexi explains that she's making him hallucinate three months without blood, then nine months, then two years, then five years. And Stefan says, hey, did I ever tell you how glad I am that you're dead? And Lexi's like, you can't hurt my feelings with this bullshit. Yeah, Lexi says, missed you too. She was like, I can see right through this, okay? This is not the first time we've played this little game here, buddy. So keep saying what you want to say. She's like, we're doing our little dance. That's fine. Keep dancing. So Elena gets a call from Caroline. And Caroline's like, hey, the necklace isn't where Damon said it would be. And now we can't reach Damon because he's famously in a cave. Yeah. Elena says, okay, well, that's actually great news because I need you to hold off on sending the ghosts back. And Caroline says, what? And I don't really think Elena needed to do this because it's already delayed. Well, I think she like, you know, didn't know for sure. And she's seeing Lexi start this, but she's seeing that it's like not an immediate thing. I think she kind of was hoping Lexi would be like, hey, Stefan, turn your humanity on. And he'd be like, okay, cool. Thanks, girl. I think she kind of was hoping it would be like 20 minutes in and out. Yeah. And so she's watching this and she's like, okay, she's apparently got to do all this hallucination stuff. So, you know, nothing else seems to be happening that bad. So we might as well wait. Mm -hmm. And Caroline says, I thought you were in full support of getting rid of them. And Elena says, I am in full support, but Lexi is here and she's helping Stefan. And Caroline knows how important that is to Elena. And so Caroline says, you know what? Let's just find it first and then we'll choose between boyfriend ghost dramas. And then she hangs up. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'll keep that in mind. We still have to find the necklace first. So either way, like I can't do it right now anyway. Yeah. But once we find it, we will discuss this again. And Bonnie couldn't help but overhear that there were plural boyfriend ghost dramas. Yeah, and she knows that Tyler isn't really around to see the ghosts at the moment. Yeah. So she can do that little math. And she's been talking about Jeremy and ghosts. So it's a fair assumption. She's like, something's happening. Caroline pretty much immediately tells Bonnie what's happening, which I think is a good move in this case, because it's like, why am I protecting this guy? I don't give a shit. Well, there's no point in lying about it now, because honestly, like, they all want to get the ghosts out anyway. So you might as well tell her. And unfortunately for Jeremy. Caroline's pretty anti-Jeremy right now. She was anti-Jeremy before he kissed Anna. Yeah, she's already been kind of like, why are you just letting Jeremy talk to ghost girlfriends? You know, Caroline would be like, no, stop talking to them. Bonnie's like, he's got to deal with his stuff. And Caroline's like, no. Caroline would be like, oh, he can deal with his stuff, but he's not going to be dating with me while he does it. Whatever. So Caroline tells her that Elena caught Jeremy kissing Anna. Bonnie is immediately sad. But Caroline says, look, she probably thinks she's here to stay, but she's not. We're going to find that necklace. And they start looking. So then we go to the town square. Anna's in the crowd. Jeremy's looking for her and he bumps in to a man you may or may not recognize. It's her old friend, Frederick. He is one of the tomb vampires from season one. Uh, What you may remember about Frederick is that he was really upset that he couldn't leave the house. He was always trying to rebel against Pearl. And eventually that was his undoing before he could kill every founding family member. Yeah, he tried to torture Stefan because they blame Catherine for their death and so they wanted to torture the Salvatores, whatever. Frederick was never motivated by a ton of logic, but he sure was entertaining. But he kept on trying. 
and he's back. Carol is walking around because they're about to do the lighting ceremony. And she says, where is Tobias Fell? And someone says, Tobias Fell? Is he okay? (laughs) Frederick finds Anna. And he says, well, 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 if it isn't Pearl's daughter, little Annabelle. And she's like, not this fucking guy. She said, not you. (laughs) She said, you were the last person I want to see. Where's my fucking mom? Then Carol gets on the mic. She says, okay, well, Mr. Fell is detained. So the history department's own Mr. Saltzman is filling in, Mr. Saltzman. Yeah, and it's like, ooh, bad day for you to join the Founders Council, King. There's all these people who want to kill founding families. Luckily, that's not the way it goes. Yeah, luckily, he's not their first priority right away because they didn't really know him that well, but he did kill some of them. So they might be mad at him. Yeah, they may or may not remember him. You would think that they would have grabbed Carol first, but I guess she was maybe busy, maybe talking to people. Yeah, maybe she was harder to grab and Tobias Fell was easier to grab because he's not the mayor. Because he, he fell down. I mean, he was laying right there. He fell. He fell. <laughs> and Jeremy finally finds Anna. And Frederick can't help but clock Jeremy. And he says, oh, you're still hanging around the Gilbert kid, huh? Guess you forgot his family killed you and your mother. She's like, well, he didn't, though. And she's like, first of all, that was John, who's much different than Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy approaches and he asks Frederick, like, hey, is everything OK? And Frederick says, ask your ancestors. Because I don't think Jeremy ever like met Frederick, not in any memorable way. Yeah, if he did, it wouldn't have been anything memorable. So there's no reason he should think anything of this guy. He probably thinks it's just a random guy talking to Anna being creepy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Anna asks why Frederick is here. And he says, well, it's a founder's celebration. And we have some unfinished business with the founding families. As he's saying that, he is flanked by his henchmen, two randos. And then Rick says... On the mic at the front of the whole crowd, he says, all right, on behalf of the Historical Society, let's light them up, I guess. Light them up, baby. (laughs) Uh, The lanterns light, a woman screams, and then we see Tobias Fell is gutted in a tree. And oh my God, I love Scream. It is very showy. It's very cool. Rest in peace, Tobias Fell. It's kind of so much more embarrassing for Frederick that he's been on the other side watching all this stuff go down. And still, he just wants to kill founding families. Like, have you not seen how useless they are? Like, I know you're mad, but like, this is what you're using your unfinished business for? Like, go find some fucking peace, guy. All Frederick does on the other side is like, watch the founding families. And he gets mad at them for being alive. But they don't do anything exciting. Can you believe it? They get to eat chili while I'm sitting here. And it's like, do you really want chili that bad, buddy? Like <laughs> the original, which is like, I'm not working with that guy. <laughs> She's like, yeah, he's dumb. She's like, I know he'd kill Elena and it would be efficient, but I just, I can't handle him. Frederick has very big guy who graduated high school five years ago and keeps visiting energy. Yeah. Like he is literally like using his time on the other side to like watch Carol Lockwood watch scandal. And he's like, oh, I hate her. <laughs> yeah. And it's like Frederick. Calm down. Get over it, buddy. Like, I know it sucks, but damn. Go find some peace. There has to be something better for you somewhere. He says, no, I don't think so. (laughs) I'm going to go kill Tobias Fell. No, everything's going to be good. I just have to kill the mayor. And one thing about Frederick, he never starts with the mayor. You got to start with the mayor. That's why you're unhappy. It's all you, buddy. He never really gets the big players. He keeps getting side family members. 
Yeah. No wonder you're depressed. You're not killing any of the big ones. He was like, wait, that guy's not the sheriff. What do you mean? The sheriff's a woman. He's like, that guy's not the mayor. The mayor's a woman. That's not legal. He's like, no, that can't be right. <laughs> He's like, women can't even vote. Why would they get to be the sheriff or the mayor? <laughs> because famously, Frederick like barely watched any TV. He didn't get a cell phone. He's very much not caught up. So maybe he really thought he was killing the mayor, but it was to buy his cell. He's like, that guy gave a speech earlier today. Yeah, he's giving a speech. So the mayor would give a speech. His lovely wife introduced him. He's just confused. <laughs> I would buy that too. Again, not a smart soldier. Not our brightest villain. It's funny to look back on the season one villains of the council and the tomb vampires. Compared to the originals, it's like those guys were nothing. Y'all are dumb. Y'all are dumb, dumb. <laughs> and so Jeremy and Anna are pretty panicked by this development. So then we go back to the jail. Stefan is gasping. He changes his tactics. And this is smart, classic move of alcoholics in an obvious allegory for alcoholism. He says, Elena, she's hurting me. Please help. He's like, I'll change. I'll do whatever you want. And it's like, Stefan, your humanity's off. Do you really think she's dumb enough to believe you? Yeah, Lexi says, you got to shut him out, Elena. And Elena says to Stefan, like, she's helping you. And Stefan says, I'll change. I'll change anything. And Lexi says, it's a lie. He's going to say anything right now. And he says, Elena, I'm so sorry. Just make it stop. And Lexi says, you got to separate yourself from your emotions. You cannot let him play on them. Yeah, Lexi's like, ignore that. Don't listen to him. And then he says, look at me. I love you, okay? I love you so much. And Elena says, I'm sorry, Stefan, but I don't believe you. And he says, okay, you know what, bitch? Fuck you. I didn't want your help anyway. I wish I'd never met you. Every single moment of every single day that I spent with you was a total and complete waste. And Elena's like, okay. Okay, there it is. Well, I guess I was right to not believe you then. Thanks for proving my point. And Lexi says, okay, that's the Ripper talking. Once he's weak enough, you have to cause him pain. You got to make him feel things, anything. If he feels anger, it will make him see past the blood. So Lexi stakes him in the shoulder. He screams. She says to Elena, you got to think of it like a daily regimen, like running the treadmill, making coffee. Stefan growls at her and she said, okay. She's like, shut up. I'm talking. Yeah, Lexi says, I'm, I'm speaking. And <laughs> Lexi says, you just got to keep doing it until he's ready to be saved. Stefan says, okay, Lexi, I'm literally going to rip you apart. She says, you really can't. I'm dead, my man. Yeah, she's like, you can't do shit to me. And so then she stakes him again. He screams again. And Elena says, okay, I can't. And she leaves. So I guess she can't handle it. Yeah, she's like, that's enough for me right now. Uh, yeah. Lexi, you, you got this under control, girly. And I do think her leaving right now is more of a plot device than a character choice because I don't think Elena would have left during this. Uh, but we do need to get her caught up on what's going on upstairs to kind of get the stakes higher. Well, I think it makes sense for Elena to just be like, I'm going to take a breather because I can right now. Yeah. And then obviously gets distracted by everything that's happening uh, topside. So she goes upstairs, she catches her breath, and then she hears a siren. So of course she investigates and she sees the police surrounding the festivities and like a body in a body bag being wheeled into an ambulance. So that's not a good sign. Not one bit. <laughs> Then we go over to the Salvatore house. Bonnie and Caroline are digging up Damon's room, looking for the necklace, including a classic look in the decorative soap bowl where the moonstone was so famously hidden. And Caroline says, OK, I give up. It's obviously not in this room. A phone starts vibrating and it's Jeremy calling Bonnie. So like a good friend, Caroline answers. 
And he says, hey, did you guys find the necklace? And she says, not yet. But she hears the sirens. She says, hey, what's going on over there? And he says, yeah, the tomb vampires killed Tobias Fell. So you really have to find that necklace before they start going alphabetically through the founding families. Because you know what comes after Fell? Forbes. <laughs> but also, they don't really seem to be going alphabetically. They're just going with who they can get as usual. Because they don't really have a plan because they didn't really in, like expect to be able to kill people today. Yeah, so they're really just improving. They're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants right now. Yeah. And Caroline says, well, the necklace is not where it's supposed to be. And then she makes a realization. She says, unless someone took it. And Jeremy says, who would do such a thing? Who would take that necklace? And Caroline says, who do you think? And Jeremy looks at Anna and Anna says, I didn't take it. Caroline's like, you believe her? And he does believe her. Anna reiterates she didn't take it, but he totally believes her at this point. And as as did I. Yeah. I was like, no, Anna didn't take it. (laughs) So you believe her. Jeremy believes her. And Caroline says, you're an even bigger idiot than I thought. So wake up before you lose everything. Hangs up. None of that goes to heart for Jeremy. It goes in one ear out the other. (laughs) Yeah. He says, that's weird. The phone cut off. Yeah. (laughs) So then... We go back to the town square briefly. Jeremy gets off the phone and he turns around and Anna is gone. But he does spot Elena. And Elena says, hey, what happened? And he's like, okay, well, now I got to explain this again. I just told someone else. So we go back underground in the cave under the Lockwood cellar. And Damon says, you know, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because your motives are deceptively pure. And Mason says, well, you know, Damon, I know that you talk the talk, but you would do anything for your brother. So I know that you won't screw me over if we have the same agenda. Which is a good read. Yeah. And Damon says, and I'm supposed to believe you wouldn't screw me over. That's really more of the concern than Damon screwing Mason over right now. What's Damon going to do? He's already dead. Exactly. And Mason just laughs. They come to a fork in the cave. Damon asks which way. Mason says, I don't know. I've never been here. Flip a coin. Damon was like, I thought you were all knowing. And Mason's like, I'm just a ghost, dude. I'm not God. Yeah, he's like, I haven't seen anyone else walk down here. So I don't know what's here. Like, I, I can't like look ahead. Yeah. And Mason says, okay, fine. Go left then. Because he just picks one. And Damon goes right instead because he doesn't trust Mason. And Mason says, did anyone ever tell you you have trust issues? And Damon's like, every single day of my life. And then stakes fly out of the wall at Damon. He tries to pull them out, but they burn him. So we have to assume they're covered in vervain. Mm-hmm. So, owie, Damon says, hey, help a brother out. But Mason is no longer there. Well, and you have to assume, you know, this is a Bockwood family cellar with secrets about vampires in it. So, you know, it makes sense that it would be booby trapped for vampires. That it would be hard for a vampire to see everything, to get there. So then we go back to the town square. Elena asks where Anna is now. And Jeremy says, I don't know. And let me just remind you, I don't even know if she took the necklace. And Elena says, she was the only one who heard us talking about it. Of course she took it. It's so funny because immediately everyone's like, oh, Anna definitely took it, except Jeremy. And me, I was like, yeah, other people could have been eavesdropping. Like other people know about the necklace. Your theory was that some other ghost just happened to hear and steal the necklace. Yeah, that was my theory. And Elena says, look, we have to get it back, destroy it, and close the door. And Jeremy says, I know, but... And Elena says, what? He says, I can touch her, and I can kiss her again, and I know it's wrong, and I shouldn't feel this way, but I do. I love her. I've always loved her. 
And Elena can't help but feel sympathy for this, like, obviously hard thing that Jeremy's going through. Obviously, he has deep feelings he hasn't dealt with. And of course, given the chance, he wants to spend this time with Anna. He never thought he'd get the chance again. Exactly. I mean, she is his best girlfriend. They're obviously the best fit that we've seen as of yet. And she, like, got killed by his uncle. Yeah. They just didn't have enough time. And so Elena definitely sees his hesitation. But Elena also takes this opportunity to give him some pretty tough love. Because he does need it. Yeah, because he hasn't been going to anyone about this because he knows anyone he goes to will give him this tough love and he hasn't been ready to hear it yet. But now he's kind of living with the consequences after being caught kissing her. He knows that it's all tumbling around him. So he knows that he can need the tough love now. Yeah. Elena says, it's not real. She's dead and gone. And everything you're holding on to is in the past. Are you going to love a ghost for the rest of your life? And then as soon as she says that, you can see her be like, oh, she's like, hmm, interesting. She's like, okay, you know, I did read myself a little bit with that one. But Jeremy, my point still stands. It still stands. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell that she's like, okay. And you can also tell she's like, okay, that's a good turn of phrase. I'm going to save that. She said, oh, I'm going to use that on Stefan. After Elena gives Jeremy this tough love, Anna reappears. And Elena can see her. So Elena turns to Anna and says, he's at the beginning of his life, Anna. You're just holding him back and you know that. And Anna does know this. She doesn't want to admit it because she's lonely. Well, because the thing is, what is the past for Jeremy is the present for her. And she doesn't have any past, present, or future because she's a ghost. She knows that she is obviously like alienating Jeremy from his life and all his friends and his family. And she also knows like, how little of life Jeremy has lived because she lived a much longer life, you know? So she's very able to understand, like, this is too young for him to give up everything. Like, just because I have nothing right now doesn't mean he has to give everything up for me. Mm -hmm. I think in the same way that Jeremy kind of was, like, keeping it at a distance from himself because he was like, well, she's a ghost. I can't really, like, deal with that. I think them being able to touch really raised the stakes on their relationship because it's serious and it just crystallizes like things that they will never have because this is not something that's going to last. Yeah, it allowed them to for a second feel like this hope that like maybe this relationship could happen again, but then also very quickly once everyone else can see Anna be like, no, this actually isn't ever possible. And like now we have to like give it up. It's not like we can both die and ignore it. You know, we just or like one of us dies and we can move on that way. Like now we have to actually emotionally move through it. Mm-hmm. And Anna is sad listening to this and she knows Elena's right. And then she reveals that she did take the necklace. And I said, oh, damn, because <laughs> I really didn't think she did. Like, oh, man, Anna, I really trusted her. Jeremy looks very hurt that Anna has the necklace. Anna looks like she feels really bad about it. <laughs> yeah, because he really believed it. And everyone else told him she stole it. And he's like, okay. Everyone else immediately was like, oh, no, Anna definitely took it. And Jeremy's like, that's so mean. They all thought that about her. And he's like, oh, no, actually turns out it was uh, not mean. They were right to think that. It was just right. Huh. Elena says to Jeremy, call Bonnie, tell her you have the necklace and get her to send the ghosts away. Elena kind of served on this scene. Yeah, Elena's kind of eating this episode. She's finally standing up for herself a little bit. You'd love to see it. I hate to be this person, but all this stuff she's going through with Stefan is making her stronger. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's, you know, 
forcing her to form that thick skin, really understand what vampires are doing. Klaus is kind of making her a stronger person. Mm-hmm. Not to become a Klaus apologist on top of everything. Everyone's a Klaus apologist. <laughs> so then we go back down to the cave where Damon is still hanging out with all the stakes in his body. And he says, oh, I'm having a bad day. <laughs> but then Mason returns with a shovel, the shovel that they use to break the bricks. He helps him break the stakes and get them out of him and says, you're welcome. Yeah, because all the stakes are in the wall, so he has to break them from the wall before he can pull them out. So Mason actually didn't betray Damon. King. And so Damon says, hey, what's your game, man? I killed you. I ripped your heart out. Like, there's no way this buddy trust act is real. And Mason says, you know what the other side is like? We're all alone. We watch the people we left behind, and we regret our decisions. I can't change what happened to me, but maybe I can change what happens to Tyler. I don't want revenge. I want redemption. Yeah, he's like, look, I can sit here and be mad about it, but it happened. I'm dead, man. So now I just want to help Tyler in the way I wasn't able to when I was alive, which attracts for me because of all the werewolves, Mason was the most likable one by far. Oh, yeah, totally. Not counting Tyler, obviously. Well, maybe counting Tyler. (laughs) (laughs) We go to a car where Caroline and Bonnie are driving. Caroline hangs up the phone, presumably from a call with Jeremy. She tells Bonnie that Jeremy has the necklace. He'll meet them at the witch house. But as they start driving, they notice a car has crashed on the side of the road. They notice the car is Mrs. Lockwood's car, and she's passed out in it. And then Caroline starts to see, like, three guys in leather jackets moving in. And even though she never dealt with the tomb vampires, she can kind of tell, like, something doesn't look great. And she knows that vampires killed Tobias fell. Yeah, and she knows the tomb vampires are now after other founding families. So, you know. It's a pretty easy jump to make. Yeah, she makes some safe, logical jumps. And Caroline says to Bonnie, like, okay, I'm going to get out of the car and you're going to drive far away. Bonnie's like, oh, no, you're not. And Caroline says, look, you and Elena both have your ghost boyfriend drama. But right now, the mother of mine is about to be ghost bait. So go and send them all back to the other side. Okay, brave queen to get out of the car with these four vampires. I love her. Mm -hmm. So she gets out. Bonnie drives away. Just it's very unfortunate, I think, that Caroline and Lexi didn't get to meet. Oh, yeah. I wish I could see these two be friends. They would be great friends. That's the that's a real crime about Lexi being dead. How much fun would they have? Top two queens like ships passing in the night. And then we go back to the town square. Jeremy is talking to Anna and he's like, well, look, the spell will just break your physical foothold. But like, I can still see you. We don't have to say goodbye. And Anna's like, no, but we should, though. This is when Anna is like, you know what? No, we got to make a choice here. We were both ignoring it, but it's time. She says, Elena was right. I'm holding you back. And then she says, I'm sorry I took the necklace. I just thought with all the tomb vampires out. And he says, oh, you wanted to find your mother. You weren't doing it for me. He's like, "Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. And she wanted to find her mom. She has not seen her mom, obviously, on the other side. She doesn't know where she is, if she's moved on and found peace or if there's even any peace to be found. Well, that she spent probably all this time, you know, feeling so guilty because of how her mom died, obviously, Mm -hmm. wishing she could see her and just being kind of tortured. And she's like, I can't like Jeremy can't fix that for me. I have to move on with it. Yeah. And Jeremy believes there is peace. He says there has to be. And Anna's like, well, it really doesn't mean that much coming from you. And Anna's like, well, you don't really know shit. So (laughs) thanks. And Anna says she just doesn't want to be alone anymore. He hugs her. He says he won't let her be alone. And she says, actually, I think you should. Yeah, she's like, did you not listen to what I said? 
And she cries and she gives him the necklace and he leaves. They're obviously both sad, but they know there's no reason for them to be like non-touching ghost life partners. There's no there's no purpose there for him to date someone he can't touch and no one else can see or interact with. Jeremy would totally be on like a TLC show that's called like my ghost fiance. And he's like, yeah, my girlfriend's a ghost. I can see her. I'm a medium, but no one else can see her. And he would be made fun of. And she was a vampire in a past life. That's how we met. <laughs> and TLC would be like, man, this guy's fucking crazy. <laughs> I said, get him on here. <laughs> you got anything else weird? He said, well, this ring brings me back to life if something supernatural kills me. And they're like, okay, so something that doesn't exist kills him. <laughs> He'll come back to life. Okay. They're like, this guy's a jackpot. <laughs> they're like, who brought this guy in? He's getting a raise. <laughs> Then we go back to the jail. Alexi says, quit fighting me. I know you're in there. And he says, not anymore. <laughs> and it's like, okay, no, that's not how it works. Stefan, you're in there. Elena returns and Lexi says, again, you say that every single time until I make you feel again. Yeah, Lexi's like, you've got to get some new material if you want me to stop. I'm getting bored. Yawn. <laughs> it's just getting easier every time, buddy. So she stakes him again. And he says, oh, you wasted your whole life taking care of me. And now you're dead and you still have nothing better to do. And she's like, "Okay, whatever. I know you think you're like burning me there, but you're not. Yeah, she's like, nice try. (laughs) Um, Elena tells Lexi that they're running out of time. Lexi says she needs more. But Elena says, like, I can't get you anymore. This was as much as we can possibly do. Lexi really wants to break through. But Elena says, look, they have the necklace. They're going to close the door. So then Lexi has a little light bulb moment. She says, ah, the necklace. Stefan. Tell me how you felt about the necklace. You found that necklace during your darkest time. And when you made it through, that necklace represented hope. Keep in mind, Stefan found this necklace on the ground. Can you imagine? I'm walking down the street and I find a necklace on the ground. I'm like, this means hope. Well, it's like if I was having just a truly horrible day at a rock bottom (laughs) moment. And like, say I'm walking back from Food for Less with a bottle of wine in my bag, you know, and I see a necklace on the ground. Hell yeah, I'm going to form an unhealthy attachment to it. Yeah. Well, I guess it's (laughs) the same as like when you're having a bad day and like you put on a jacket that you haven't worn in a while and there's like five bucks in it. It's like, oh, I have hope again. (laughs) That's what they got to manufacture to get Stefan to turn his humanity back on. Put a dollar in his path. Just put five bucks in every pocket. Just put a necklace on the ground. Be like, oh, oh my God, Stefan, what's that? Yeah, find another necklace. Find something cool on the ground. I don't know, like a like a gold pocket watch or something. Go to the pawn shop and say, what is the shiniest, weirdest piece of jewelry you have? And that's under $10. <laughs> and the owner of the pawn shop says, I got you set up. So anyway, apparently this necklace represents hope for Stefan. That's classic Stefan to get overly attached to something. Yeah. Random. It's true. Stefan says, ironic then that it's about to get blown to pieces. And Lexi's like, okay, boo. Lexi says, okay, I get how I kind of teed you up for that, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to try. So then we go back to the cave. Mason walks through an archway and Damon can't go in and it's the same sound it's the same feeling damon recognizes it as well as it's like when he can't get invited in so he tells mason to wait and mason says i'm gonna keep going yeah mason's like why would i stop just because you have to stop that's dumb he's like i'll just let you know what i find so you're gonna have to trust me so then we go back to the witch house jeremy finds bonnie in the basement she's pretty pissed 
naturally, he gives her the necklace and she doesn't speak to him. She tosses it in the fire and just starts her spell. And Jeremy's like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's okay. I'll, I'll hang back for a second. And then Grams grabs Bonnie's hand and they start to do the spell as, I don't know if you clocked this, the song This Woman's Work starts playing, but it's a cover by a male artist. See, I recognize this song, but I did not know what it was called. So This Woman's Work is a Kate Bush song. And it's just very fascinating that they found like a male cover of it. I think the song vibe-wise works for this moment. I don't really think the lyrics do, which is a little off-brand for the Vampire Diaries. I guess let me look up the lyrics. Pray God you can stand outside this woman's work, this woman's work. Operatic. I guess the lyrics work, yeah. I'm gonna start crying again. <laughs> this song generally makes me cry too. So okay. after reviewing some of the lyrics, I actually do think the lyrics work. Uh, I just think it's weird that they got a man to sing it. I think they wanted a more like folky type cover of it. I do wish they had stuck with a woman cover of it because it's literally called This Woman's Work. <laughs> but the thing about this song, I love this song. It's a great song that I've known for a while because it was on the hit FX show, You're the Worst, which I loved. So this is a song that I listen to when I'm in a crying mood. I actually have never known the name of this song, but I do like this song because it comes up in TV shows relatively frequently, I yes. think. Well, it's got like some nice generic lyrics for stuff like this. The lyrics, which Stephanie already played a club of, I know you have a little life in you, yet i know you have a lot of strength left it's generic enough to be put in a lot of shows um so this is quite a crying song and i'm in quite a crying mood in this montage at the end of this episode it's very emotional this montage a lot of people are getting to these like emotional peaks right now yeah that's what i think is so good about this episode is it builds the action very well but it also builds these really high emotional stakes that it all pays off by the end of the episode. And it just, it feels so like well-crafted to me. Yeah, little things like Bonnie seeing her grandmother and like how that goes ends up being like, like Bonnie really needed to hear that from her grandmother and things like that, you know? The full circle moment, and we'll get to the scene with Elena with Stefan, that Elena just comes to this breakthrough about Stefan because of these events. I mean, they just, a lot of people have like an emotional breakthrough this episode. Yeah, they're all realizing things that they've like either been ignoring not able to admit to themselves like 
not quite ready to face or able to reach some sort of like, you know, emotional height that they hadn't gotten to for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And it's all happening while this song is playing. (laughs) And that's when the Vampire Diaries is really at its best is when the supernatural is like secondary to the emotional. Mm -hmm. And this montage really does it perfectly. So first we go to kind of the least emotional part, which is Carol Lockwood is coming to and she sees Caroline fighting off all these vampires. Caroline like gets almost all of them, except Frederick grabs her neck, but then he disappears. There's a nice emotional wrap up here, kind of, if we're looking for one, that Carol has been really anti-vampires and Carol like tried to get Caroline tortured and Caroline is now saving her life. And a lot of showing Caroline's growth too, that, you know, I think Caroline for a long time viewed herself as like someone who's weak and just kind of going along with the flow. And that's kind of the belief of her because she's like Mm -hmm. a young, happy-go-lucky girl overall. Uh, Or that's at least, you know, the read, even though she is type A. And for her to be able to be like, no, I'm going to go fight these four ghost vampires right now. Like, that's what I have to do. Over the course of the show, we see a lot more of Caroline fighting. She becomes like pretty much one of their best like hand-to-hand combat assets on the team. She's very strong. She can beat a fight. I mean, we saw her whip Damon's ass a couple episodes ago. And I think if she had a second, she could have gotten out from under Frederick. I don't think he would have been able to kill her before she bested him. Yeah, she would have gotten out of it. It's easier that he disappeared mid-choke so she didn't have to worry about it, but she could have done it. Yeah. And then we go down to the cave. Damon says, so what'd you find? And then Mason starts a sentence, but he disappears and we can tell because the lantern falls and breaks. And Damon says, Mason? So we see Damon starting to rely on someone and starting to like trust someone, which is very big for him. We go to the jail and Lexi says, look, Elena, Stefan is still in there. You just have to break through. And Elena says, I know what I have to do now. You can be free. And Lexi disappears. And you see a look on Lexi's face too that I, you sense that Lexi's unfinished business here was that she had to give someone else this ability to help Stefan because she's been the only one who's gotten him out of these depression quote unquote before. And I think there was some hesitance, which I think is justified on Lexi that I don't know if Lexi went into today thinking that Elena would be able to handle any of this. I mean, when she met Elena, she was kind of like, you kind of have to be ready to handle the vampire thing. It's okay if you're not. Yeah. And I think Lexi was under the impression. And I think she especially was like, you know, I really need to do this. Like, it's great that Elena's here to watch it and maybe be ready, but I still need to be the one to do it. And I think by the end, she's like, okay, I feel a little bit more willing to trust you to do this now. And then we go out to the street. Anna is walking, crying after the events of the day. Because now she's like, I'm alone and I have to be alone. And that's just what it is. I have to accept that. But then... She sees Pearl, her mom, and Pearl sees her and they get a chance to hug and they disappear together. Oh, I'm crying at this point. I'm crying right now about it. I started crying before it started playing. I started crying in the other scenes as soon as this woman's work started playing because I was just anticipating this scene because it's very sad and beautiful. And y'all know Anna and Pearl to me. I love them both. I was so happy to see them back together again. It's just what they deserve. And then we go back to the witch house as the necklace is burning. And we see a shot of it. It looks pretty destroyed at this point. Emphasis on at this point. And Grams says to Bonnie, you are stronger than all of this. And I'm so proud of you. And then she disappears. And Bonnie really needed that. 
bringing Jeremy back to life against the wishes of these witches. She has felt like I've lost track of what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if anything I'm doing is right. Like feeling like she let her grandma down when her grandma died because she sided with vampires in some way. And now her grandma's like, you just have to trust yourself. And she just like needed it. Yeah, Bonnie's been feeling helpless ever since, you know, she wanted to kill Klaus, even if it meant dying. Mm -hmm. And Klaus isn't dead. And it's not her fault. But there's a part of her that feels like I should have just fucking died. Yeah, I should have just done it and died and gotten over it. Like, and let everyone else deal with it after. Mm -hmm. So then we go to the cave. Rick comes in with Damon. And Rick says, you didn't have anyone else to call. And Damon says, actually, I don't. I need a non-vampire to get in the cave. And other than Elena, you're pretty much the only one I trust. Yeah. And also, you're his best friend. (laughs) Yeah. Rick, unfortunately for Damon, doesn't let him get off that easy. Rick says, well, you have a crappy way of showing it. And Damon says, hey, if Mason Lockwood can get over the fact that I killed him, can't you cut me a little slack? And Rick says, I shouldn't have to get over it. I was your friend. You shouldn't have done it in the first place, which I do think is a fair point. Yeah, he's like, of course, Mason got over it. He's by himself in the afterlife with nothing else to think about. Like, I shouldn't have to get over it. You shouldn't have just killed me. Yeah, he's like, you two were enemies. He tried to expose you. He was trying to kill you. I get why you killed him. I'm your best friend. I'm your best friend. And I told you to maybe not fuck your brother's girlfriend. And you killed me. (laughs) So pardon me. And then Damon says, well, sometimes I do things I don't have to do. And Alaric says, but you can tell he says this with kind of love. So you can tell it's like on the path to forgiveness. Yeah, you can tell Alaric knows this is as close of an apology as he's going to get also. And a big step. But he does have to give Damon shit for it. He says, you're going to recycle that same crap pass apology you gave to Mason Lockwood. <laughs> and Damon says, yeah, well, I didn't mean it with him. And Mason is watching the other side like, man, he's like, fuck this dude. Damn. And they smile at each other and their BFFs. Friendship restored. <laughs> and then Rick goes in the cave with Damon. So then we go back to the jail. Stefan wakes up. Elena is leaning against the wall and just catching her breath because it's been a long day for Miss Elena Gilbert. Yeah, she's had a lot happen today. Stefan says, what are you going to do, Elena? Just stand there and wait for me to dry out. And she says, no, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go take care of my brother and be a friend to Bonnie and everything else I have to do. And he says, good for you. I was wondering when you'd give up. Lexi gave you enough of a glimpse into your tragic future. And there's like, a little bit of snarkiness here, but there's also like, oh, she's going to give up on me. Yeah, it's like, oh, she's going to give up on me. And like, no one cares about me anymore. I guess no one cares about me. It's giving Klaus. Yeah. <laughs> Elena says, I haven't given up. I still have hope, but there's nothing I can do until you get yours back. And then she touches his face. She says, look at me. You can break through this. Fight for it. Feel something, anything, because if you don't, you're going to lose me forever because I'm not going to love a ghost the rest of my life. She said, I wrote that earlier, but it serves. And she leaves and locks the door behind her. And you can tell she knows she ate that. Yeah, she's like, "Okay, that was fucking dope what I just did there. Because she's like, yeah, I'm not going to fucking stand here. I'm going to go sleep in my own damn bed. Will you get your head out of your own ass? See, that's what I would have said. It wouldn't have been nearly as uh, powerful. (laughs) Yeah. 
would say, I'd say, no, I'm not going to spend a night in a musty prison cell just because you want to be a little bitch baby. <laughs> the thing is, I would have given up on Stefan already. <laughs> yeah. We wouldn't be at this point for me. Stefan, at this point, you're my boyfriend's brother. I would sit down with Stefan. I'd be like, Stefan, listen, okay? Your brother, who's a little more carefree than you, hotter than you, and definitely less of a blood addict than you, is in love with me. Now I can easily hop over there anytime I want, Stefan. I haven't because I really loved you, but you're starting to get on my nerves. Yeah. You're starting to piss me off. Stefan, I'm going to be real with you. You're not likable right now. You're being a little bitch about everything. You're saying such mean shit to me for no fucking reason. And I don't have to put up with that. You make Stefan, can I tell you something? This whole thing you're doing, it's giving Klaus. Yeah. <laughs> Stefan, maybe get out of your own ass, get out of Klaus's ass and fucking face whatever shit you got to face. I'm not dealing with this anymore. Every day what I would do, I would come down into the cellar and I would bring like whatever I'm craving that day, Panda Express. And I would find a portable DVD player. And I would play like the saddest movies I can find. I'm like, we're going to watch the first 10 minutes of Up again. You're going to be feeling something. See, I would go the other way. I'd only be watching rom-coms. And I'd be like, imagine how great that kiss would hit if you had your humanity on. You could be like, this could be us. But you playing. No, I'm, I'm sitting there. I am drinking whiskey. I'm putting some in smelling distance from him, but he's not drinking any. And I'm playing porn for him. And we'll see what fucking happens. Something's getting turned on either way. <laughs> That's my strategy. That's my strategy. <laughs> so then we go back over to the witch house. Jeremy's still standing in the corner and he says, okay, time to make my move. He says, okay, I think, I think I'm, I'm good here. He says, okay, Bonnie's crying by the fire. Time to talk. I can make this work for me. He says, okay, turn it around. He says, hey, Bonnie. And she says, go away. And he says, well, no, I, I think I owe you an explanation. First of all, what's the explanation? I wanted to kiss my ex-girlfriend. The explanation was you wanted to be with your ex-girlfriend more than you want to be with me. I don't really need to hear you say it. Yeah, the explanation is you wanted two girlfriends and you liked one better. And then Bonnie makes a great point. She says, Matt, let go of his sister before you let go of Anna. And when you put it like that, it is quite damning. <laughs> Say what you will about Matt. He did immediately give in to Vicky. But as soon as he figured out what was happening, he went back to the other side of it. Yeah. He was able to see that. Jeremy, not so much. <laughs> and it is like, as Bonnie, like I think there were levels at the beginning that Bonnie was being like a little unfair to Jeremy. Because I do think there is a little bit of grace you can give someone like, of course, if you could see your dead relatives, you'd want to talk to them. I can't begrudge him that. But he did take advantage of that trust that she gave him mm -hmm. and basically just like cheated on her. And can you imagine if you bring your boyfriend back to life and he cheats on you? You want to be with Anna so bad? Go fucking join her. Yeah, I guess I should have let you die since you love dead girls so much. <laughs> since <laughs> you, you want to be, be dead, dead so bad. bad. It's just like fucked up that he's trying to downplay his attachment to Anna. Yeah. And Bonnie's like, it's obvious to everyone because you literally wouldn't let her go. Matt let Vicky go. You wouldn't let Anna go. And the thing is, he still didn't let Anna go. Anna said, no, I really think I should go. Yeah. He let her go, but she decided I'm, I'm not coming, King. Like she had to be pushing it. And I do think it's one of those things where Jeremy just like 
it got away from him. Yeah, it did. And I think honestly, until Bonnie said like, Matt, let Vicky go. Why can you let Anna go? I don't think he really realized. Yes. The gravity of what he was doing. Like, because I think he was like, I'm just sorting through my feelings with Anna because I have the chance to, I'm very lucky I have the chance to. And him sorting through his feelings made it like, oh, I'm still in love with Anna. Yeah. Like, and I don't think he was equipped to know how to deal with that at all. Cause who would be? And I think he obviously feels bad about the way it went down and is knows he did a lot of shit wrong here. And he wants to explain it to Bonnie, but there's nothing he can say. We all know what happened. He just has to, you know, admit that he was wrong and, and go. Yeah, exactly. She says, you know what you owe me? The respect of not making me listen to you explain yourself. Also a serve of a line. Jeremy says, sorry. And she says, you need to fucking go. Get out of here. She's like, I don't really care that you're sorry. It still sucks. Like, I know you're sorry. I know you feel bad about it. I don't have to fucking hear it. And then he eventually does go. Bonnie takes a deep breath. And then there's an explosion in the fire pit. And she says, oh, what the fuck? And she investigates. And the necklace is back. This seems to me to be confirmation that that original witch is still doing magic from wherever she is. So here's my question to you. Do you think at the end of this episode, these ghosts are still on the other side? We just can't see them. Or do you think any of them moved on? Like, what do you think happened to these ghosts? I think Anne, Alexi, Mason, I feel like they've all been able to move on if that's something they can indeed do. Sure. Because I feel like Lexi and Mason had their little mission of what they had to do. I think Mason would love to help Tyler out more, but I think by him finding this information that will inevitably help Tyler because it's got this hybrid connection, right? Mm -hmm. And to know other people are looking out for Tyler, things like that. Anna was able to reach Pearl, which she's never been able to reach Pearl before. So you have to hope maybe, but, you know, also think that Pearl's bringing her to the other other side, (laughs) to whatever this peaceful version is, because you have to hope Pearl is in some way finding peace. So I think that's what's happening. I do think we could still see ghosts in theory like I don't think destroying the necklace quote unquote even though it came back stops us from ever being able to see ghosts I think Jeremy you know for example could still see them doesn't take away that but I do think these specific ghosts have moved on gotcha so then we go back to the cave Rick has gotten into the door in which vampires cannot enter and Damon says so is like Mason screwing with me or is there something in there and Rick says he found something so Damon of course asks what it is And Rick looks and it's a bunch of cave paintings. And he says, I have no idea. And that's where we end the episode. So I have to ask, what are those cave paintings? Did you see anything that meant anything to you? So I think it's pretty clear that these cave paintings are essentially the story of how the originals came to be. That's what I'm assuming. I mean, you know, we saw a couple groups. The one thing we saw right at the end, the last flash before the you know Mm -hmm. title was a little figure and a very prominently drawn hurt. And we know that one of these ways to, you know, kill supernatural creatures is pull the hurt out or stake something through the hurt. So the hurt is clearly important in some way, or maybe it's about love and they just decided to draw it anatomically regardless. Sure. But that's the main thing I saw, but it, it seems to be a history. I think we saw a tree and we know a tree is like what was originally able to kill the originals before, you know, obviously they burned it down because they didn't want to die. So I I think it's essentially the lore of how the originals came to be on this wall. 
Interesting. Interesting. So do you think we're going to learn the origin of the originals maybe next week? I don't know about next week. Of course, now that I said that. (laughs) I think we're going to get some clues. You know, I think Alurk is seeing this. Alurk is a history teacher. It wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility that they could go to like, you know, we saw in season two, they went to Duke to get some information on the curse of the sun and the moon. He could have other friends who have some sort of connection to this or to just have those pictures and be able to, you know, they can look at it and do some sort of understanding of it. In theory, they can, you know, it's a cave painting. Usually there are similar motifs and storylines that come out and they have a little bit of information about the originals. So that I think we'll get some information on it. I don't think we'll get the entire introduction to the lore of the originals, every single piece of information next week, but I've been wrong before. We'll see. (laughs) But that is the end of the episode. As always, if you are enjoying Doppelgangers or the Vampire Diaries, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating on Spotify Podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Doppelgangers Podcast. But that is it for this week. So until next week, goodbye, brother. Goodbye, brother. (laughs) 